Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. is that anyone attempting to leave them out should be shot on sight. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and people of indeterminate gender. Welcome to Gatecast episode 220, I am assured. Good evening, everybody. 220, that is correct. We have an episode of Stargate SG-1 this week, Ethan. Pronunciation, I'm not quite sure, even the commentary wasn't too clear about it. One thing they were sure about is that they have no idea what it meant. Oh, wonderful. Yes, and considering that was Damien Kindler who wrote the episode... Well, it's just a word he came back up. Was he going for Ethan and Mist? Well, even then, it wouldn't really make much sense. I did read, could have been on the Stargate wiki. Mm-hmm. Stargatewiki.org, presumably. According to Greek mythology, an eagle was sent daily to gnaw on Prometheus's liver as a punishment for stealing fire from the gods for mankind. A Latin mythological handbook can be understood to give the eagle's name as Athon. So I wonder if that was why this episode was named as such. You watched Lost, did you? Yes. Wasn't the guy who was actually from the other island and an evil plant uh, pretending to be a passenger from the crashed island thing called Ethan? Yes, it was. I'm stunned. Normally I bring up obscure details like this and you're like, how the bloody hell am I supposed to know? I don't remember. I remember Lost. (laughs) It left a mark. (laughs) We actually watched a decent movie in the uh, Torrance Science Fiction Society monthly movie night go on then the original robocop well yeah that is a decent movie there's a scene where he's getting the crap shot over him he goes he can't die he has to be a starfleet admiral in 30 years <laughs> yeah and that was before he got his uh was it his masters and his bachelor of arts and everything and went into teaching and presenting some excellent documentaries he's very very recognizable yeah tv and film money to put himself through College and university, and made a totally different career. Right, Cookie. But what do you say these sweets were called? Carousel, K-A-R-U-S-E-L-L-I. That's just a brand name, that's not kind of indication of a theme then. <laughs> I think that's the Swedish. Yeah, because that N-D-N-I-N-G is a Swedish letter construct. Yeah coming from a different culture, different language. You know, they probably have just as much difficulty. I'm trying sauna for the first time on Friday. What's that? It's the correct pronunciation of what we call sauna. I've been in saunas before, but... Oh, sauna. I was reliably informed that the correct Finnish or Swedish pronunciation is sauna. Ah, fair enough. (laughs) Like Ikea. I say, if it's pronounced differently, it might as well be a different word. (laughs) Quite. There's three sort of sauna rooms. Male, female, and mixed. I thought mixed was just for couples, but apparently it's not. It's just for people that don't mind being seen naked. So I'm going for the mixed. Right. Let's face it, the average age of residents around uh, Student Village is about 23. So I'm quite happy with that. Should be an interesting Friday. <laughs> you know, they serve refreshments. They'll even serve beer if you drank it. All part of the residents' association stuff. 
tuning into Sci-Fi TV. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Brent Barrett. I'm Kevin Batchelder. I'm Wendy Hembrock. The Viewer's Guide to Genre Television. Welcome, everyone, to a special Supernatural-focused bonus Hello, everyone, show. and welcome to The Fae Files. A family of podcasts for the genre-loving television viewer. Welcome to Saturday Bee Movie Reel. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Study welcome Group. Welcome to the top genre characters of all time countdown. And tonight, we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones Season 3. Find us at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. Tuning into Sci-Fi, awesome podcast, great interviews, great competitions. I cannot recommend that show enough. Right, shall we kick off? Get all your toughies out of the bag so it's not um, rustling. I'll simply enlarge the hole. The hole does not want to enlarge. There's a 300 gram bag. Ooh, white ones, and brown ones, and bubble ones. Be tough with myself and finish my Swedish homework. She'll look disappointed if I don't have it done. Well, yeah, if she takes pride in her work, I hope she did. She kind of mothers us. Yeah. Ethan or Ethan? Ethan. This isn't ringing any bells at all. You know, it gets kind of depressing towards the end of season nine. Well, yeah, things start to go wrong. <laughs> and it starts in this episode even more so than others. Finger Julie hovering. Yep. Uh, zero, 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 black screen. I'm massaging the hippo. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The less about that, the better. <laughs> Yeah, I realised after I said it, you know, Alan, I could be taken a different way. <laughs> Three, four, et, thank you. Previously on Stargate SG-1. Ah, Chris. Oh, yes. Wasn't this the... Wasn't it now? He is quite well known. Yes. Matthew Bennett. This is the episode Icon, where SG-1 basically kicked off a civil war. Mm-hmm. I know that you and Daniel have grown close during his convalescence. Jared, it's not what you think. Daniel got all chummy with that bloke's wife. If a prior visits your world, leave. Ooh. Whee! <laughs> yeah, Grace done nice. So the white one appears to have a gold coiled up in egg. What's up? Incoming wormhole from Tagalis. A Jared Kane is requesting to be let through, says he needs to speak to you and it's urgent. Yes. Yeah. Daniel, you're a father. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jackson, I have very little time. I've gained access to the Stargate without my government's authorization. Please allow me to come through. I am alone and unarmed. Uh-oh. Luckily called when everybody's on duty. Yeah. Otherwise, I doubt anybody would have known who the hell he was. Hey, Jared, it's safe to come through. Zim splat. It's rather trusting of him, isn't it? He could have been setting them up, carrying a nuke. How is that all armed? Well, it's not a gun, is it? You could be quite handy with that. Post-apocalyptic warring superpowers are deep-seated political differences. That Jerry Kane. It's nice to meet you. I think that's Cameron proving he's read the mission reports. Mm-hmm. Assume that you completely destroyed each other. Not quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't killed each other yet. Give us time. Another mm, forty minutes, maybe. Okay, what's so urgent? Five months ago, a man came through the Stargate. He called himself a prior of the Ori. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, we're aware of the priors and what they're preaching. The prior wasn't just offering us a religion, he offered us power. In exchange for our embracing the Ori, he gave our government designs for a weapon that could be launched into orbit. A satellite capable of giving us total domination of the Caledonians. Oh, this isn't going to be good. Uh-oh. Well, a change of tactics. Let's see. 24 hours ago, a Caledonian military outpost was completely vaporized in a demonstration. The weapon is already operational. Offer the little children <laughs> pretty toys. And they'll follow you. Oh, you wait. That's not a Star Wars reference? It's not in geosynchronous orbit, then, is it? <laughs> it's fully operational weapon. Yeah, not quite the Death Star, though. 
It is from their technological level. Well, not really, no. Still pretty much further advanced than anything we've got. Okay, then. Ethon, Season 9, Episode 15 of Stargate SG-1, Gatecast, Episode 220. The episode was directed by Ken Girotti. Story by Damian Kindler and Rob C. Cooper. Teleplay by Damian Kindler. Had its US premiere February the 3rd, 2006. We got it in the UK February the 7th. The Canadians got it February the 16th. French June the 3rd. Japanese May the 21st, 2007. And our friends in Sweden October the 24th. There were no other episodes or TV shows using this name. No, I'm not surprised. I think they made it up. (laughs) They probably did. Absolutely right. And we're back. Now, I feel sorry for whoever had to knock up that graphic in the time he was given. Looks like someone took the United States and just twisted it a bit, chopped a few states off, you know? <laughs> and the prior instructed you to do this. Rand has been in disarray since the missile attacks last year. Intelligence reports were filtering in that said the Caledonians were preparing a full-scale ground assault. They were going to invade and attempt to topple what was left of Rand once and for all. Caledonia wasn't interested in hearing from this prior. The prior asked our leaders if he could spread his word to the Caledonians as well. Of course, they would never accept anything that Rand was already embracing. President Adal explained that to the prior. Yeah, yeah they don't hear, do they? No. No, you've got to actually give credit to the Rand politicians. They probably saw that as a, an opportunity to actually put a knife in their enemy. Mm-hmm. Badmouth them to the prior, while at the same time bending over for him. You see, we weren't just on the verge of suffering defeat at the hands of the Caledonians. We were on the verge of collapsing as a nation. Absolutely. But now, after what you've told me of these Ori and the Priors, I fear that may have been a better way to go. A man of integrity. You know, it doesn't always pay off. What exactly do you want from us? These are the earliest schematics for the weapon. Unfortunately, they're not complete. The Prior gave us step-by-step instructions and stages. Couldn't you on the electronic form or anything? You had to actually bring blueprints. Apparently not. Before we moved on to the next. <laughs> It's the best I could do under the circumstances. Access became restricted soon after some of us in government voiced our disapproval about building the weapon. Yep. Now you'd have thought that their Stargate would have been guarded much closely. In fact, probably put out the commission. Hmm. Just to be clear. Suspicious much? You're doing this to save Caledonians. Hmm. You don't hate them for bombing your country and killing so many of your people. I do. Hmm. But I refuse to see any more lives be they Rand or Caledonian, senselessly lost due to archaic prejudices of a religious extremism. This has to stop. Would you excuse us for a moment? Indeed. <laughs> It'll stop. Don't worry about that. Yeah, hang on a second. Is there a briefing room? Why doesn't he step out? Oh, yeah. It would be easier, wouldn't it? Oh, the, the General's office. Bow Bridge is notably absent from this episode. Yep. Talking privately. I'm sure General Landry won't mind. You want the big chair? <laughs> Cowards, the lot of you. Go on, Cameron. Be a man. <laughs> Jack would have. Yeah. He'd have put his feet up on the desk. Right. Let me just start this by saying a lot of this is actually our fault. There wouldn't have been a war on Tagalis if we hadn't gone there in the first place. General Neil probably said it best. The minute we step through the gates, we're sticking our collective noses where they don't belong. We did offer to help them rebuild. An offer they eventually declined. Because they're being influenced by a prior. Ah, the would eventually. Sooner or later, that sort of animosity between two states is going to end in bloodshed. Yep. 
Eventually. We need to nip this trend squarely in the bud. So what, we just fly in there and blow it up? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to do something about the alright. You know this. It's a deadly. <laughs> it really doesn't alter the fact that they're coming to wipe you out. That's the spirit, Daniel. They're really going to listen to you. Then they'll just launch a plague and kill everyone. You think they'll listen? Let's just propose it to Kane and see if Rand will hear us out. No. <laughs> but Daniel's going to try, because that's who he is. An idiot? <laughs> well, an idealist, shall we say. Naive idealist, you'd think after nine years it'd have copped on. I mean, it's not even clear what's powering the weapon. Kane did say they were early schematics. B5. Yay. Now, does everybody use blue blueprints throughout the galaxy? Is well, it... that's why they're called blueprints. Well, yeah, I know that's why we call them blueprints, but I've never really looked at it. Is there a reason why they're done on blue and white? Hmm. It would be more advanced. Well, the Ori may have designed it for them, but Rand still had to build it using the resources and technology at their disposal. That's like uh, the replicators yeah. building themselves out of normal earth materials and rusting. <laughs> Indeed. Destroyed. But if these plans are an accurate indication. Right. So we'll take Prometheus for this. Shouldn't be a problem. The satellite appears to be a predominantly offensive weapon. No defenses. Well, it stands to reason. But Rand knows that Caledonia has nothing even close to capable of reaching orbit. Although... There do appear to be sensors built into the targeting system, so our approach may be detected. But Prometheus is protected by Asgard Shield technology. Exactly. Now, as I said, even if they do see us coming, the weapon will take a few minutes to charge up. We should be able to emerge from hyperspace and take a shot at it before it can respond. At least round spherical things, yep. which could be sensors. Unless they keep it charged. <laughs> now, this is just the beginning of a little overconfidence by the SGC mm -hmm. and SG-1. We've never had any trouble before. Hmm. There's a lot of... I found another black diamond. The theme continues. It's a skull and crossbones. Oh, right. Now, if you didn't know mm -hmm. this was an Air Force base, you certainly know by the art. Not during it, just after. <laughs> well, those died during the war didn't suffer. Well, at least not for very long. They needed to believe there was a reason for what was happening to them. And the prior provided that. He said our suffering was a test to see who was worthy. You know, there's something very reassuring about having mustard and ketchup as condiments on any cafeteria table. No matter where you go in the world, there's, you know where you are with mustard and tomato sauce. Um, it's because it's red doesn't mean it's tomato sauce. Mm -hmm. Oh. Five months ago, while Rand was deciding whether to accept origin or not, a disease swept through the country. Shocker! <laughs> And let me guess, none of you people put two and two together and realised that when the saviour came, it was him all along. Yep. That's when people everywhere began accepting them as gods. We watched so many barter away their beliefs in exchange for the lies. But Lita, she... She died for her sins, Daniel. She refused to accept it. She was a ruined woman. I am sorry. Damn, I should have tapped that while I had the chance. I always assumed he did. <laughs> Dr. Jackson, we just received a communique from the Rand government. <laughs> At least they're talking to us. Hmm. They want to talk. Do they? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> just in case we weren't sure. This isn't exactly what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that didn't go well. Yeah. I told them to proceed with destroying the weapon. 
you have a visitor, and I don't think he's going to be your lawyer. Do they even have a legal system? Oh, it's a bad guy. You can hear the music. <laughs> President Nadal. Senator Kane. He's a senator? Well, yeah, he'd been one of the, the leading military men during the last war. I'm here to officially inform you, Jared Kane, you are under arrest for treason. Excuse me? Oh, well, I suppose technically, yes. He stole plans and then he used the Stargate. Indeed. As well, it seems they are in possession of top-secret documents vital to the security of this country. As of now, you are both considered enemies of the state and will be detained until trial can be set. Oopsie. See, this is what you get for diplomacy. <laughs> Why didn't you just say trial and execution? Well, that's a given. It's a death sentence, treason. President Nadal is played by John Alwood, American actor. He's been in Fringe, House of Lies, ER, CSI, and The West Wing. I don't know if you've got to his episodes yet. Jackson's locator beacon the moment we drop out of hyperspace. Yes, sir. I guess I can assume that any kind of trial will be rigged. Honestly, we'll be lucky to get that far. President Nadal has been paranoid about Caledonian spies for some time now. Because I betrayed him this way, he may assume I'm also part of that network. <laughs> you think? Well, not really, because you are guilty. Yeah. <laughs> There's no ifs or buts about that. <laughs> Forget the political aspect of it. You know, you've, you've gone against the new religion as well. Yes. So why isn't the prior here? I assume at this point, you know, these people, the Rand, they're fully origin. So he's off converting other people. Do you recognise Mr Ernie Hudson playing Pinot? He does look sort of familiar. Ghostbusters. Whoa. He's a little older. You think? It's only reasonable. <laughs> Earth is responsible for our current state of affairs. Turning to them is an act of a desperate man game. Cain turned to us in the hopes of preventing you from making a catastrophic mistake. And the Priors are not telling you everything about the Ori. You need to hear me out before you use that weapon to wipe out the Caledonians. So you admit you sympathize with Caledonia. That's not what he's saying. Ernie Hudson, US actor, of course. He's recently in Mob City, Scandal, Dads, Law and Order, Heroes, and of course, as I said, Ghostbusters. Probably where most people know him from. Yes, Daniel, present this argument because it's worked so many times already. I mean, serious. Has anyone actually ever said, well, wait, we're interested in what you have to say? <laughs> Here we go. No problems whatsoever. <laughs> we'll deal with this satellite and we'll be home for tea. Beam directly out of the bridge. Oops. <laughs> He's shrunk a bit. He has, not he? I take it this means things aren't going so well. Yes, that's really high-tech. Why does it have something subcutaneous like they do in Atlantis? This is the last time they actually use this sort of uh, device. From now on, it is embedded. <laughs> Barkley Hope, who plays the commander of the Prometheus, he did the commentary with Damien Kindler. Alarm, alarm, alarm. Mr. President, the satellite sensors have detected a ship closing on its position. Target has been acquired, sir. And Lieutenant Womack is Chell Horsdal. Canadian actress, one of the few people to have been in Universe, Atlantis, and SG-1. Jackson knew it might come to this. He told us to proceed no matter what. He wouldn't want us to trade his life for thousands, possibly millions of Caledonians. Yes, the plan was jump in, destroy it, jump out. Fire, fire, fire. Yes, it's aiming at you. People, do something. Shoot. We're being targeted. Sound general quarters. 
Full power to the forward shield generators and maintain course and speed. Yes, we have total confidence in our Asgard shields that are tens of thousands of years behind the energy shield of the ancients. Firing missiles. Missiles. Oh, seriously, come. Yeah. Shielding. Missiles detonated prior to impact. Target remains intact, sir. It looks like it's being protected by a shield. Defensive capabilities must have been added. Okay. Now what? That's not good. Now you realize it. Yes. Run away! <laughs> yes. We have been attacked, Commander. We must respond in kind. Target the ship. Why? Oh, sorry, I thought that was us. The Earth vessel has been targeted. Weapons primed and ready. You may recognize the uh, technician, Sage Brocklebank. He's been in sight. Arrow, supernatural, fringe, and Arctic air. Oh, dear. <laughs> like a hot knife through butter. Who's dead? That's useful. Yes. Why is a hyperdrive offline? You didn't get hit in the engine room. Oh, you know, we can just be cannon fodder. You sent, you know, ballistic missiles and they didn't do much good. Why should these effort throw dudes? Tracking multiple smaller ships attacking the satellite. The shield is holding. By the grace of the gods. Oh dear. He sounds like a believer. Target the large vessel again. Now, can't the Prometheus at least maneuver a bit? Make the satellite chase them? Yeah, because more missiles are going to walk. Target the flashing roundy thing at the top. <laughs> Lieutenant, I need sublight engines now. Trying, sir. Auxiliary systems aren't kicking in. They can't. The two main power relays have been damaged. Gonna be repaired. You're kidding me. They got hit once and it's taken out virtually everything. We should get limited sublight capability back. Marks, you and Colonel Carter, go. Come again on the last Wonderful. Who designed this ship? Seriously. She did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, the front end got hit. You know, you'd think auxiliary control would be able to handle all the engines from the rear compartment. Right. Sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. You're an idiot. Really? Shields. Forward shields at 40%. Divert all shield power to forward generators. Sir, sensors indicate that the weapon is reaching maximum power. Shields at 100% didn't back and walk. <laughs> Get out and push. Even our own fire alarm procedures at work. Bye. Here we go again. Oh dear. Ooh. Oh, bye bye. Why didn't the force field spring up? That's not a bad little effect. Well, there may have been a, a brief drop in energy, so the shields dropped. And unlike the 24th century Enterprise, they don't have. Oh, because they're off the line as well. <laughs> By the way. Yes. Was the president arrogant guy who uh, beat Data at some game in a season next generation episode no you know the guy i mean i know what you mean that's not him oh. the large vessel appears to be disabled shall i broadcast a call for surrender the book of origin tells us that enemies of the ori show no mercy in their attempts to draw us away from the path we must face this attack with all the strength we have been given 
finish them. Prometheus, this is Blue Leader. Request status report. Uh, not too good right now, Blue Leader. Can we assist? Negative, Blue Leader, negative. Docking bays are too unstable for safe return. How exactly can they assist? You could probably tow it if you had any uh, lines, but tractor beams are out like that. Unseal it if you can. Of course, as I said in the commentary, there is a practical reason to destroy the Prometheus as well. Now they've got the Daedalus, and they're going to build more of uh, that class of ship. It's expensive to have two standing sets. True. Unfortunately for Pendergrast, uh, they don't need the ship, they don't need the commander. <laughs> this is Colonel Lionel Pendergast of the Earth vessel Prometheus calling the Rand Protectorate. Your attack on our vessel has severely damaged our engines and rendered our weapon systems inoperable. We are willing to negotiate the terms of our surrender. And now he's, uh, as the Ori says, you put the boot in. <laughs> I don't say that. The Ori do. He quoted the Book of Origin, which basically says, when your enemy's down, you kill him. Okay, fire it up. Don't we need to test the power flow? No time. But I know, do it. <laughs> uh <laughs> Alright, this is useless. You're just figuring that out. I would not consider that lucky, Colonel <laughs> Somehow I don't think the energy used to destroy that ship. Please come and kill yourself. Explain your brazen act of aggression against our nation. We thought we could get away with it. <laughs> we are here to investigate why an emissary we sent to your planet, Dr. Daniel Jackson, has ceased all communications with us. And yet your first act upon entering our planet's space was to fire on our defense satellite. Well, first act, yes, but we took a good two minutes to think about it. Be fair. Hmm. First act of aggression. We merely responded in kind. Now... We are no longer a threat to you. Yeah, you, you could capture it. Think of all the technology. Which would have been good six months ago. Unfortunately, now you don't really need it. Consider our request for surrender. You cannibalize it and build another satellite. Well, I imagine anything the Ori can give them is going to be better than the Prometheus. Indeed. Your planet sent this ship to attack us. I have no desire to take more lives. You tell us what we want to know. I will accept their surrender. Who else was involved in this attack? What other actions are the Caledonians planning? We're not spies. I came here to convince your people to dismantle this weapon yourselves before any of this became necessary. Why would we do that? <laughs> oh dear. He can't answer the question. I acted alone. You are lying. You see, that is probably a lie. Although mm. there's no guarantee the people that helped him were traitors. They may not agree with the origin, which is, to the president's point, as Daniel is saying, is the same thing. Wait, please! Just listen to me before you go murdering defenseless people. We are the ones defending ourselves. Your ship attacked us. Admit it, Daniel. If an alien spaceship came into Earth orbit and took out one of our satellites, you know. <laughs> a couple of more minutes. We don't have it, Sam. I'm sorry. It's over. Give me as much power as you can. Reroute her from the shields. And give me all functioning internal Asgard beam sensors back online. Sir? We're abandoning ship. Begin the evacuation orders. I want all personnel to beam down to the planet surface. Find me an ice open field anywhere in Caledonia. Yes, sir. Well, that's faster than yeah. life pods. Assuming they, they they put the life pods back after they used them last time. We have begun our evacuation. I advise you get clear of the ship and meet us at the rendezvous coordinates on the planet. Affirmative, Prometheus. Bye. <laughs> 
I'll handle all the final transport commands. Everyone else is to report to the nearest beam outside. Let's go, people! That's an order! Move! Get out of here! Get out of here! Now, the problem with F-302s, of course, is that they need a runway. Mm-hmm. I'm going down with the ship. <laughs> is she meant to be his XO? No, she's just a lieutenant. So who's his XO? Captain Marks, where is, uh, I assume, the second in command. That's him. Commander. We can't kill you. We haven't seen you naked yet. No, no. We must not fail the gods. We must embrace our destiny. Fire the weapon! Wait! Oh dear. And we got a tweet from Brad. Poor Colonel Pendergrass. He was a good commander, but never had the great line delivery like Coldwell did. Yeah, it wasn't Coldwell a gold. Only for a short time. Goodbye, Prometheus. You had a good run. Was the bridge in the middle then? Well, that's it. I always I'd assumed the bridge was at the front or at the back. And unless there were some serious energy conduits running the entire length of uh, the ship, you know. The Earth vessel has been destroyed. Yeah, smug grin. Oopsie. Yes, Daniel looked shot. If it were about ten minutes later, I'd say this would be a two-parter. Yeah, you, that's the sort of cliffhanger you want, isn't it? Victory is ours. You know, a bit of paint on the walls, just to cheer the place up. Come on. It's a prison. It's not a kid's hospital. But still. The loss of your people is regrettable. But your planet and the Caledonians must know our resolve. When Ernie came up to shoot on the show, he brought his family up and they had a vacation. <laughs> it's not a bad job, really, is it? You'll be forced to commit genocide and destroy them. A year ago, they launched the first strike against us. They obviously had no problem with doing the same. When does it stop? When do we stop killing each other over wars started by our fathers and their fathers before them? <laughs> it's not going to, especially when you throw the Ori into the mix. We need to set aside our differences and fight the threat of the Ori again. Goran, how long have we known each other? <laughs> not long enough, obviously. Mm. Please, believe what Dr. Jackson has told you about them. With my own eyes. I saw the Prior bring the satellite to life merely by touching it with his staff. Neither Rand nor Caledonia have the technology capable of resisting such power. What choice do we have? We can die with honor. <laughs> I don't want to really have to ever have to make that sort of decision. <laughs> now, as far as we know, they've only been able to travel within our galaxy by use of the Stargate. And you can either bury your gate, or we can teach you to build an iris system like ours. Yeah, I don't think they've got that sort of time scale. <laughs> The Book of Origin is just one big lie meant to seduce us into meaningless worship. Yay, meaningless worship. <laughs> and killing in their name is not self-defense, it's murder. We've been more diddly ordered. Just in case you didn't know. They really did a number. Yeah, the two capital cities really, really got... How did anybody survive? To our knowledge, 76 crew were recovered in Caledonian territory. There were over 115 people aboard that ship. Yeah, this is war. There are casualties. Yes. Now, this is the former Riverview Psychiatric Hospital. So where are our people? The transport arrived moments ago. Sam's alive. Tilk, Cameron. Sam. You are a sight for surprise. <laughs> Wheeze. 
be as good to see you alive, Colonel Carter. We feared the worst. The director, Ken, really gave some praise for Christopher Judge. Now, Chris has gotten very emotional since he got here. Yeah, he said just a look in his eyes, expressing, you know, what he couldn't really convey with words when Sam walked in. This is Minister Chaska, leader of the Caledonian Federation. I'm thankful you survived such a tragic event, Colonel. I hope we can offer you and your crew some comfort here. She's pretty much up to speed on what's going on. Minister Chaska, this is her second appearance on SG-1, played by Desiree Zorowski, former ballerina with the National Ballet of Canada. She's been in Fringe, The Arrow, The Arrow, Arrow, Smallville, Psych. Die you shall. Sorry. The whole give me glory, give me death argument tends to fall down when your choices are surrender or die. I'm going with surrender. <laughs> any word? Nothing. The Rand government continues to deny any knowledge of Daniel Jackson's existence. Our contacts tell us he was seen alive in the Rand command bunker during the exchange with your ship. He's not been seen since. Any progress here? You really cannot see anything good coming out of this. No. Nope. See, it's not a blueprint, it's a clear print. I mean, this world has gone through a world war that have left both the state, you know, decimated. Yeah, they're still going hell for other to destroy each other. According to this, all commands for the satellite originate from RAND's main control facility. And maintaining a shield around the satellite is a huge power drain, so it's only activated when a threat is detected. Are you saying the Prometheus was destroyed because we hesitated to fire when we dropped out of hyperspace? We hesitated out of concern for the safe return of Daniel Jackson. Yes, basically, you screwed up. However, it seems that you are saying if we were to destroy the RAND control facility... Yes, if only we had a starship. Then we could take a 302 back up there and finish the job. No, the RAND facility is part of an underground bunker complex that was strong enough to survive our last missile attack. And we tried really hard, believe me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so you'd, you'd think that uh, I've tried to destroy the main enemy command center. Just a few times. Our agents have already made several attempts. Security is too tight for them to mount any sort of effective strike. Actually, we don't have to hit the bunker itself to knock out satellite control. No, she's got an idea. Of course she's got an idea. She's dumb. She's pretty much made of ideas. Wasn't smart enough to say, let's get the hell out of here when the satellite started moving and aiming at them. That is a big clue. Hmm. EM pulse. They would disable their electronic devices. They'd be totally blind. For a short time. You possess such technology? You wouldn't have suggested it if you didn't have something in mind. Well, like most discoveries, it was a bit of an accident. After the battle with Anubis's fleet over Antarctica, small random EM fields were detected by Prometheus during the cleanup. It took us a while to figure out. Are you going to tell me that an F-302 gives off an EM pulse when it blows up? It was one of the things I was working on at Area 51. <laughs> I've always assumed that the F-302 has some sort of naquita generator in it. Give it the sort of energy it needs and blow it up. We don't have to. Maybe not. All we have to do is harvest the inertial dampener and rig it to one of the Caledonian missiles. What about the anti-missile defenses? We use that same 302's radar jamming technology to make your missile invisible to RAND. Still, if this does not work as you're planning, it will be seen as an offensive against RAND. President Nadal will surely respond by stepping up the deadline for our surrender, and he'll use the satellite. Like RAND are using radar? They've got the state-of-the-art satellite that can make crap out of your best ship. You're telling me they're using something as antique as radar? The satellite can only scan in its immediate vicinity, and the ORI haven't given them that level of technology. They've just basically given them the tools to make the sat satellite, and that's it. 
you don't really want to give the new children too many dangerous toys to play with. They might get ideas. Look, right now you just have to believe there are survivors. You think that's really possible? The Prometheus has beaming technology. Had. Indeed. <laughs> don't worry about it. We shouldn't have visited you in the first place. All my friends may be dead, but I'm going to carry on. Yeah, because, you know, I've been dead. It's boring. <laughs> I do get to wear a nice sweater, though. <laughs> Sometimes an outside perspective helps. In the past, I found the key to these types of disputes is to, to get both parties on equal footing, just to, to get the process of talking with each other going again. Do you ever give up? Not until I'm dead. And sometimes not even then. Yes, death turns Daniel into a hipster. <laughs> and probably not even then. Early warning systems detect no missile entering our airspace. One missile? So it seems. Possibly a test then. It would be a bit of a coincidence. You've got to assume the worst. Perry, to launch a preemptive first strike given the Earth's attack on our satellite has failed. You don't know that. They still have two days until the deadline. Get me Minister Chaska. That's the spirit. Paranoia in the President of the Nation. That's comforting. It doesn't look like they've employed countermeasures. Radar jamming is working. Interesting projector. Yeah. That's a boxy looking projector. Isn't mm it? -hmm. You'll need to stop, or else they'll activate the satellite shield out of sheer paranoia. There's some strange, you know, strange mixture of technologies. They're, they're obviously pretty advanced, but some things look like they're from, you know, kind of the Second World War era. Hmm. Mr. President, if you're calling about the recent missile launch, please forgive me. I should have called you immediately. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's normally the case. Accidental missile launch from the US. You know, you would hope the President would have got on to the, the Russian Premier. By the way, the missile we've just launched, don't worry about it. Needless to say, everyone here is a little on edge as of late. But thankfully, we have ample precautions in place to prevent such an occurrence from being a serious threat. Indeed. The run protectorate do seem a little jumpy. <laughs> I wonder why they've actually given them a deadline. Why not just use the weapon and be done with it? Or do you think they're all right? Because they're under the mistaken impression that they're actually uh, decent people. I'm sorry the decision has not been easier for you. We shall talk again soon. Well, I wondered if the Ori says, you know, you've got to give him the chance to convert before you destroy him. Roger that. Package is on its way. We are 30 seconds from detonation over target. Nice job. He didn't believe a word of it. Oopsie. <laughs> Getting a report from Coastal Monitoring Base 4. Maybe visual of an incoming missile. <laughs> Why isn't it showing up on our radar? Sir, satellite sensors are detecting a single small ship on approach, possibly one of the Earth fighters that landed in Caledonia. This is a much more complicated yeah. plan than jump into the system, destroy the satellite and jump out. Yeah, yeah. this one seems to be working. Of course. Perhaps because they aren't standing around gossiping <laughs> two minutes beforehand. What just happened? I don't know, we've lost power. All systems are down. Backup power is supposed to be isolated. The systems that activated are down. We can't control the satellite. Get it back! Get me a radio and a phone in here that works. Ranger, can we shoot, please? <laughs> I'm amazed I've actually got any more missiles on board. The window of opportunity is now open. Roger that. We have cleared the atmosphere two minutes from weapons range. Did he go a bit crazy with them? Beyond the power which seems to be limited to the area immediately around the command facility. Yeah, so now we've got a reason to kill you. Hmm. 
To our knowledge, the Caledonians do not possess the level of technology required to do this. Such a weapon could only have been given to them by your people. I hope so. How can we undo this? <laughs> what exactly are you going to do with them anyway? Based on its speed and trajectory, the Earth's ship will reach the satellite in less than one minute. Do you think if the Ori were true gods, they would allow the Caledonians to do this? Look, I understand your fear of the prior and why you feel you have no choice, but there is another way out of this. <laughs> oh, Daniel. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Let me use the radio. I can contact the ship that's about to destroy this satellite and get them to call it off. Why would you do this? Because I still believe a peaceful compromise can be reached out of all this. What? <laughs> I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jackson, come in, please. The voice imitator. <laughs> yes. Hear me, please respond. This is Daniel Jackson. Come in, please. Jackson, go ahead. Mitchell? Is it really you? Come on, don't trust him. For the moment, you? Well, all things considered. Listen, me and Tilk are getting ready to bag ourselves an evil Ori satellite. Yeah, so glad I caught you. Listen, the Rand want to offer the Caledonians a deal. Really? Come on, Daniel, why would you trust him? Seriously. I mean, Perno, he's showing a little common sense and willingness to listen. Not believe, but listen. Whereas the president is pretty much... A Bible-thumping advocate of the Ori. Mm -hmm. Rand is offering Caledonia the Stargate. Rand is offering the gate and a limited ceasefire, so all those from Caledonia who do not want to follow Origin and wish to seek refuge on another planet may do so. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'll give the Ori a moving target. Jackson, are you sure about this? I got a clean shot at this thing, and I am in favor of taking it. Listen, Rand built the satellite in less than a year, and I can tell you the resolve is pretty steady. If we blow this one up, they're just going to build another. Yeah, but he's got a good point there. Yeah. Uh, mm. You've got to love his optimism. No, I think it's naive and stupid. I've seen the Priors wipe out entire planets for refusing to follow the Ori. You will not fight them with us. We, we would try, but honestly, there's only so much we can do. Will the Prior not follow us wherever we go? Maybe, but for now... Look, this offer's not going to be on the table long, and... <laughs> Make a decision quick. <laughs> we haven't got time. Very quick, Lee. At the very least, the Rand now believe that you have the ability to disable the satellite whenever you want. Which they will surely counter in time. <laughs> All that work for nothing. Yeah. Fly at that plywood, Colonel. <laughs> Come on, pull the eject panel. We know you want to. Tell Colonel Mitchell to call it off. What? He had a date? You don't fancy him anymore? Blue Leader, this is Carter. Minister Chaska is requesting that you stand down. All right, Jackson. But you folks better be damn sure about this. Well, I hate to tell you, Cameron, but this is Daniel. He's on one of his holier-than-thou ideal crusades. They rarely work out well. Oh, well, what a coincidence. Power comes back on. Perfect timing. You would have thought the EMP would actually have wiped out circuits. Satellite control has been re-established. Sensors detect the Earth's ship is veering away from the target. Activate the shields. The ship is no longer a threat. Power the weapon. What? Oh dear. Target the Caledonian Capitol building. Just the building. I think it will probably level half the city. What's left of it? Power the weapon now. Powering the weapon. <laughs> you just can't trust some people. Jackson, what's going on down there? The satellite is powering up its weapon and targeting the planet. We had a deal. President Nadal, explain your actions immediately. President Nadal. You gave your word. I gave my soul to the Ori, who offered us all salvation. Anyone who rejects that is a fool. Look at that. Fire and brimstone. 
Oh, this is a level of hatred that you really don't want in a leader. Do as I say. Who do we who do we shoot? Who do we shoot? Oh, him. <laughs> he did fire it though, didn't he? Yep. <laughs> yep, well done. One shot, one kill. Put your weapons down! Now! Get a medical unit here. Go! Go! Hmm. Ah, the rise of ascension. Promotion through lead. Shut down the satellite. He's dead. You heard him. The president is dead. Commander Pernod is next in command. He's also the one who killed the president. <laughs> That's a bloody good point, that is. <laughs> for destroying a city full of people when this goes to tribunal? Shut it down, now! You seriously, do you think anybody's going to actually take somebody to court who killed a load of Caledonians? The deal will stand. So, could this be a new beginning for the Rand and the Caledonians? Oh, nighttime shot. Yeah, rather nice, isn't it? Mm. So it's been a mm. few days, a few weeks. Hey, I haven't seen you since the memorial service. Yeah. It's a rough day. Hey, isn't this the military base? Or is that American light beer, a.k.a. Sody Pop? <laughs> so where you been? I um, hand-delivered Landry's letter to Colonel Pendergast, wife and kids. They need to know that he died saving his crew. <laughs> Where did he die? We can't tell you. How did he die? We can't tell you. We can't tell you that either. Is there a body? We can't tell you that. <laughs> My understanding is they bury a coffin full of bricks, which I think is rather cruel to the polar bearers. I assume that's uh, if you're actually going to deceive the family, surely? No, apparently not. Well, even when they know they're into body, why go through all that procedure? It's a closure thing, I think. Soon after we left, the talks broke down. Oh, dear. Not exactly a shocker. And? And we've been unable to make contact with him. General Landry had the Daedalus reroute on its way back from Atlantis. It seems the Caledonians weren't content to just leave their fair planet. They launched an attack. And Rand responded. The Stargate is presumed buried in the rubble. The Ori would be rather annoyed because that means they've lost half a world of followers as well. Unless, of course, the Ori leveled the place themselves. <laughs> Just wipe their hands of it. Sod this. I think the Ori would level to a greater and more biblical sense. Yeah, but it doesn't apply. I think uh, the Daedalus isn't actually going to hang around and have a good look-see, just in case. Well, that little bit was basically... We won't be going back there again. No. No little trapdoors for possible reuse. The last we've seen of Jared Kane. And the last we've seen of uh, Pernod. I think we've asked, we saw last of Pernod before the end of that, before that scene. Well, he was still alive. And technically. You know, he'd only been hit by three or four bullets. <laughs> See, that's what you get. He was a soldier, so, you know, he shot once and he killed the president. Those guards, you know, with the automatic weapons, just spraying. Given the level of technology on the planet, I would argue that it'd been dead of sepsis inside a week anyway. He was hitting the gut. Anyway. Right then, that was Ethan. As we said, a, a very uh, depressing episode, really. Mm. The SGC got their nose blooded well and proper. We've lost the Prometheus. We've lost a couple of dozen Air Force personnel as well. Indeed. So much so, we can't exactly even uh, rely on the Asgard shield technology of the Daedalus, even with its more powerful generators. Right. Got a little bit of trivia. The director, Ken Girotti, 
This was his second episode of SG-1, directing. Eventually did three. He also directed two episodes of SGA. His resume is huge, though, in television. He's worked on 24, Saving Hope, Copper, Vikings, Being Erica, and Regenesis. In the episode proper, as we uh, mentioned, this was a sequel to the earlier episode, Icon. Barkley Hope, the actor, Colonel Pendergrass, he had no warning that he was going to die when he was reading the script. Mm-hmm. He used to play softball with Amanda Tapping when they were both working out of Toronto. They had the same agent. A number of scenes were done by a second unit. Uh, Peter West and Peter DeLuise filmed them. Sorry, keyboard is misbehaving. It's randomly remapping itself. Makes life interesting, I suppose. Yeah, it's one country when I log in... As if it were what I actually have bought in. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Okay then, time for some feedback. And we'll begin with messages on our Facebook Gatecast group for the episode Great Under Pressure. Okay. Phil Carson says, Hmm, gulp. Okay, I think, Mike. Lol. That's in response to Phil's first released episode of the Gatecast. He has recorded another show with me, which may or may not be used in a couple of years' time. Uh-huh. Gate Tech Alpha 6 posted, Great job, Phil. Welcome to the Gatecast family. Maybe the season recap episodes will be better suited to those that want to do one-off episodes. Anyway, Grace Under Pressure, great little bottle episode. I won't say one-off as plot points continue in further episodes. The jumper is submersible. Brilliant idea. And being a space vessel, there's no reason why it wouldn't go underwater, apart from the drive system. And now I'm sad. And now I'm sad we didn't see one of our battlecruisers end up underwater, a la Into Darkness. Uh. Such a great shot. Rodney's at 110% here, and although he kicks it into overdrive in a later episode, it's good to see the chemistry between Carter and himself still strong. Imaginary Carter, but anyway. Me! Oh good. I thought for one horrible minute I had recorded and then wiped it from my mind, but having listened to the few minutes at the start... I am not on it. I am not sure whether to be relieved that memory isn't failing or sad the episodes can continue without me. Gate Tech replied, the episode might or went ahead without you, but the podcast can't. That's right. To be honest with you, I think it's more Mike. I replied, I wonder if this means Alan will listen to all of the show. To which Gate Tech replied, ha ha, doubtful. Have you? Oh God, no, of course not. <laughs> Even when you not on? Um... Have I not told you what my listening commitments are at present? <laughs> you can spare 57 minutes. What, from my 47 hours? <laughs> 48 hours, maybe? And now, bless him, Brad sent us in a voicemail. Hello, Alan and Mike. Brad here from Australia once again with some feedback for the upcoming episode of the Gatecast, Grace Under Pressure. It's good to see a nice little, nice little tie-in to the uh, Season 8 episode of SG1. wasn't the best episode. Rodney stuck in a submerged puddle jumper. I won't go into the blatantly obvious scene that happens in there. I'm sure Alan will comment enough on that during the episode. Good little uh, story. And you can only imagine that if it's a spaceship, it can obviously go underwater as well. Which now makes me wonder why the city was flooding back during Rising. And even during the eye, the storm, they'd want to start telling people to stop leaving windows and doors open, I think. One little nitpick I do have, some of the transition scenes from when the puddle jump is going from atmosphere to the water, this be a little bit quick. I know they have inertial dampers and everything else, but if you have an object the size of a puddle jump impacting the water that hard and that fast, you're going to cause damage, even though it seemed to have entered the water fairly slowly, it still does that speed. And a good little use of the space whales, using them to determine where the fallen jumper is, which leaves me wondering what 
or how close to release of the core was this episode and I've got a sneak suspicion there's a little bit of plot sharing there yeah good little good little episode uh, we begin the new plot threads here that uh, get interesting later on in the season and uh, early on the season three so um, yeah good little episode so that's my feedback for Grace Under Pressure and I'll talk to you all later bye bye as always thank you very much Brad for the feedback and as to the core I haven't seen that movie in ages and to be honest if I want to watch it then I'll watch the SG1 version so much better we have a handful of Stargate related birthdays for the week commencing the 20th of April on the 20th William DeVry who played Oldwyn and appeared in 5 episodes of SG1 has his birthday he's recently been in Hemlock Grove and General Hospital on the 21st a happy birthday to Rod Loomis who was Osric in the SG-1 episode The Quest, and was in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure playing Freud, or Frude. Sharing the 21st is Dominic Zamprogna, who was Dr. Boone in a couple of episodes of Stargate Universe, another actor making hay on the Megasoap General Hospital. The 24th of April sees the birthday of Noah Danby. He was the Jafar Sharar in four episodes of SG-1, and also starred in Painkiller Jane and Isukar in Defiance. He is currently guest-starring as Kane in Bitten. Lots more birthdays for this week, which we'll announce as and when, so keep an eye out on our website and on the portals. Finally, Brad has also revised his tribute to the Prometheus, which we included in an earlier episode. I decided not to use it in this podcast again, but rather to add it to the Gatecast website and link to our other social media portals, so feel free to have a listen. If you want to get in touch with us, then we are more than willing to accept pretty much any method that is convenient and the same goes for anyone that fancies joining us for a show. We've recently had Phil, who was new to the Gatecast, and we recorded with Stephen last week, who has made a return after around a three-year hiatus. We can be contacted via our website, which is gatecast.co.uk, and our email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and Google Plus as Gatecast, and on Twitter we are at the Gatecast, which is one word. We can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio, both of which have reviews and rating options, so any help there would be appreciated. That's it then, back to the show. Come try ya! Okay then, that was Ithon. Next week's episode is the Atlantis, the Tower. Oh. Does that ring a bell? Nope. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Hope you can join us for that. Until then though, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. Take care everybody, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Yeah.